I like that idea. Do you have any, do you ever have an opinion? I usually do, but sometimes I'm just stay quiet right now. I'm just munching on things. So it's mute and I don't bother talking. Ah, you can either think or eat noodles. <laughs> just not both. No. <laughs> You'll burn yourself, I suppose. Uh, okay. Okay. Recording on uh, fix sound from my end. Sound from my end. Okay. Okay, so uh, I just fiddled with my settings to uh, change sensitivity because I'm not wearing headphones. And technically with this microphone, because it's using a, the, the, I can't even remember what the term is. I can go and fetch my manual, but I'm not gonna. Um, cardioid, I believe, is the name of the pattern to try to block out. Uh, excess sound that isn't in front of it. So I've got you on desktop speakers. And um, so my microphone isn't picking up that audio somehow. I don't, it's, I don't know why it's that good because well, I didn't pay that much money. For the, the Yeti one that you're moving around? For the, uh, the, or yes, for the, for my lower quality microphone. Lower quality. Um, so yeah, um, I banged my knee so bad that I have a limp now. <laughs> so I'm going to be wrecked for a day. Yeah, it's going to be awful. After this, go. We we are recording, correct? Yes. Okay, that has to be edited out. Oh, good thing this never sees the light of day. Well, okay, that means I'll have to edit it out. I'll make a notepad here. Good thing okay, I can do so, this on my end. Well, probably not, because I'll end up listening to everything and have to figure that stuff out. And I'll at least prep the clips, and you'll trim them and clean them up for upload and stuff. Yeah. So I'll just do the heavy lifting in terms of lifting it all. Okay. So it should be should work out okay. Want you to have, you've got other stuff. Um, I did go and look up. So I guess it would be called um like a lan voip solution there are so in terms of how this audio is being done is we're sending we, so we have our microphone and we're piping that data across the internet and then receiving it to get it on your end but there are lan voip solutions that don't require an internet connection at all so they're not sending any data out there. So it wouldn't need uh, any authentication from some internet service. It wouldn't need to stream any data at all. It would just be local. And I'm looking into that. There appears to be, um, a, a, there's a handful of solutions, but the one that I'm thinking about is um, called Tox and it's T-O-X. And Tox is the protocol that's, uh, that TikTok is using. And uh, I have only learned to hate TikTok, but I'm looking into the uh, the actual underlying uh, technology behind it. And so, as far as I can tell, it's got an open open source infrastructure and it's made with a secure protocol and all this kind of all this kind of stuff. And there's a few clients, um, one of which I think will work pretty well. So I'll do some testing before next time. And we can work on that and it will do video as well. So this is going to give 
you the option to receive, like for me to talk and for me to be on a camera and you'll be able to um, do what you want with it. And that will never have the, the problematic constraints of using a third party service, having any bandwidth concerns that way. I mean, I've had days when, uh, I mean, Discord does, it's down or you get the robot voice on Discord or all the other things that could happen that shouldn't happen. Um, this lets us be in separate rooms and we can appropriately pad them or now this is not near like a living room, a dining room, anything like that. It's not near a kitchen and I'm pretty sure dishwashing was picked up in the past. And so this means that, recordings. sorry, we haven't listened to past recordings yet. Yes. So that's also something that I want to do is after we're done today, um, and if we have to end early, but um, probably, again, when I said like 15 minutes a day or something, theoretically speaking, this is an hour a day or something that you can commit, preferably at the same time every day, because you need to have some way of getting this stuff done. Yeah. One of those things is um, you have to uh, like migrate everything from the laptop to your desktop, begin a backup procedure because you've already got the hard drives. And then hand me the data so that I can begin things on my end. Um, so between every show, what I want to push for is one solid uh, adjustment. It's not necessarily an improvement, but it's a process improvement. A um, little bit of documentation and then one new thing. And so, for example, for next one, um, maybe it would be testing a talks client. Or maybe it would be testing it live would be doing this in a, in a private recorded stream or something like that would, would be the thing. And then the, the next show after would be another thing and then another thing. And if we push that, um, that uh, my philosophy is you've got an idea of momentum where it, as long as you keep doing the same and then just one tiny iterative improvement, a bit of exploration or a bit, and, and those adjustments, it's just the one thing. So that if you, if you make a mistake or, and you can just roll it back and there's only one change. So you, we wouldn't want to go and do like an actual show that's uh, restreamed on DLive and Twitch and YouTube simultaneously while using a new VoIP client while and just oh we'll experiment with this new um this new streaming setup and oh i'll get a new microphone and if you do that all at once something will break in there probably so introduce a change and just keep just introduce one change every session yeah and that way your brain only has to deal with that tiny bit of expansion of expertise that little bit of work and those those little adjustments um they, they tend to just be part of that 20% time that I had talked about. And so they're, they're pretty straightforward, pretty straightforward to do. Um, one thing I do want to note before I forget is um, you need to make sure that you understand that there is a hard time for you to make yourself available. I honestly, we need to have... yeah, I honestly, Jeez. yeah, you forgot. Yeah, no, okay, I was well... thinking I would have died halfway through the run. Yeah, and then just give up? Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. Okay, so no, I guess that didn't happen. 
No, it didn't um, happen, so I'm just going to not do anything that requires me, that I can't just drop and well, walk away. Like, so, I mean, a half an hour, an hour before this. An hour before. Because this took before our minutes. checklist is you would have a setup where you would you would finish up what you're doing within that hour. Um, you would never start anything new. And then you just switch to like reading comics or something and just chill out. And then we could go through the checklist, the, the pre-show checklist. Everything should already be set up in a certain way. So, so one of the tricks is if you've got, uh, if you have, let's say a space with physical things that you're working with and, and so you, you pursue an activity and it makes a mess and it's something that you want to do. It's your, your practice. It's your art of some sort. And so let, let's just use being a painter as an example. So say you're a painter, imagine that you are um, well off enough to have a room for that stuff. And you go in and it's every day and you got plenty of free time. You're like an art student and for some reason you don't care about money and right. You go to your, your room and you paint. But the thing is um, the fact that you have done that yesterday will actually impact the experience of you pursuing it today. Because after having done it yesterday, you've used that environment. You have created a, a bit of chaos that's been deposited there, a bit of mess with the paints, with the, the, with all of your tools for whatever you were trying to do will kind of be a little out of place. And so when winding down, so you, when you're pursuing a task, you don't want to pursue it, pursue it hard and then burn out and stop. What you need is to have an arc where you, you push it hard, depending on, so for studying or for, for an art, it's, you, you might push yourself but really what you want to do is you want to have a little gentle curve where you get up to speed or I guess from your, from, so you get up to speed and then you'll notice you get a little tired. So say you're writing a book, you get a little bit tired and then you notice that and you don't just continue. You don't, don't push. Same with studying. That's a terrible study technique. So you, you do it. You get your brain engaged. You make sure you have no distractions. You turn your phone off. You tell people to go away. Don't visit me. And then when you wane a little bit, you stop. You go do something else. But you don't do something else for more than... So like between segments for us, 10 minutes. Maybe maybe a little bit more. Maybe right if we stop a little early, it'll be a little bit longer. And then you can come back to it after... For studying hard for a student after five minutes and you you do it again because... If you're like, okay, well, I'm going to study eight hours a day, you begin in the morning, you you be effective, right? You can imagine the curve is nice and high. You, you're effective. And then at some point you slump and then you just crash and you're just spinning your wheels, not, not committing stuff to memory. And if you are committing stuff to memory, you're committing stuff to memory when you're in a state that you're not going to have when you're doing an exam or something. So that, that study time is useless. And only that beginning, depending on you, right? Maybe it's an hour, maybe it's a half an hour. But if you were to, to ramp up to speed, take a small break, then get back to it. Maybe that next little hump of productivity isn't as high as the first one because you get a little tired over the day, but it, you get this little wave. 
as opposed to just this big high wave that crashes and never recovers for the rest of however many hours. And so that's, that's your attention and your tiredness, but there's a version of that with a room or with a project where you're creating that chaos where, where you've got the, the detritus of your, the dust, the mess, the whatever. And it could be, it's, there's a digital version of it as well where you're producing stuff. And so just like when you have that little hump with the brakes, what you can do is you don't push, push, push. And at the end, before you don't, you don't come back from a break at the, at the end, you need to know when your end is and don't do that additional little hump worth of work and then just stop what you, that very tail end needs to be, you know, work, break, work, break, work, break. And it's to be work, break, work, break, then uh, like a repair. And then you end. Um, so that last segment of your effort needs to be taking what you've accomplished and, and wrapping it up and cleaning the room and resetting, like putting the chair back and putting all your stuff away and making it all nice because what will happen is yesterday you might have have had great accomplishments for what you wanted to do you have goals that you you know you've achieved things but when it comes to today and you want to go and get back into it you're going and you're getting back in and you're stepping into a room that's a mess a tornado of yesterday that is still there. And now in order to wind back up, to even get into the mood in the first place, you have to deal with being in that space. And you might not even have the headspace to actually go back and reset the entirety of the room. You'll just leave things kind of messy, kind of where they are already. already. And every time you either come back from a break or while you're like doing a new thing, you'll have to go hunt for whatever a, a new paintbrush or you have to, and it's, they're all buried somewhere weird where you last left them last time. But now your experience of pursuing painting, let's say is you, I have one brush. Okay. I got to clean it. Okay. Now I'm using it. Uh, I need another brush. Okay. I got to find that one and clean that one. Okay. And now every single day with that bad habit, you're, going your your day involves your efficacy is reduced because you're constantly um distracted by and it ends up being this weird intimidation where tomorrow comes and you you stand at the doorway of that room and it's just this awful mess and it's a mess from yesterday and the day before and the day before and it just gets oppressive to be in so that you are intimidated at the prospect of even like maybe you love painting, but now it becomes more and more work, more difficult. So what ends up happening at the end of every project, every event of, of whatever variety that you do, the tail end of it needs to be, you, it's still fresh in your head. Like uh, you're not divorced from the accountability of cleaning up. If it was cleaning up after something that you did a week ago, it feels different. If it's cleaning up after something you just did right now, that's that that feels closer, that feels easier. And it kind of is easier. And it's a great way to 
to unwind after all of that effort. So at the tail end of something like what we're doing here, a show, we might do, we might press stop recording, stop streaming. There, there will be a cool down checklist. So for a person who works out, there's the idea of warm-ups and cool downs. So you, you do your, your warm-up might be uh, some stretches, some light things, and then you have a workout of whatever variety. You know, maybe you're you're working on upper body one day, lower body the next day, whatever routines. And then there's a cool down period. And the cool down period is really important because if you don't cool down properly, you um, you might have stiffness in ligaments or whatever other oddities. And you might have very significant uh, pain from, so for example, if you do a lot of work with muscles, um, your muscles build up. I cannot recall the, there, there, there's science behind it. Your muscles actually build up a kind of toxin and that's where, where fatigue comes from, where if you're doing a lot of it, you get real pain, really serious pain. And there are, for example, massages or, or whatnot, or hot water or, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, and part of your cool down would be attending to that, or you will suffer. And tomorrow's work is if a person's working out every day for some reason, then tomorrow's workout or the day after would be, would just be hell because they're not, they're not cooling off. So an equivalent for this show would be defining the tail end. Maybe we would have uh, a 15 minute break or, but not too long at the end for us, it's ended for other people, but for us, it, it continues a little bit further so that we still have still fresh in our mind and we would do the tidy up. So it might be uh, initiating the backups. It might be, um, it might be just finishing interacting with the public, for example, because the, the last thing you want to do is just end things dead when there are people that are like super chatting or something like that. It's like, that's, that's an, an engagement opportunity that you still want to pursue. And maybe you need to, you know, put, maybe I need to put my microphone back and I need to do this and I need to right? So there could be a checklist just to make life really easy or, or whatever. So the, the warm up, um, the warm up 15 minutes that that has to be kind of a hard starting point to make sure everything is up and running technically, but you would have like an hour before whatever, which is like a soft alarm, soft deadline where it can just be like, you know, Hey, finish up what you're doing, chill out for a while, get ready go for a walk or have a drink or whatever. Um, and then the hard deadline of 15 minutes checklist begin show. We have the 50, 10 idea, which still sounds really good. 50, 10, 50, 10, 50. And then we would stop. Maybe we personally would have a 10 and then we would have some process of just winding down where we do certain things, whatever those things end up being. I don't know. Um, so that's the, the warm-up cool-down concept. Um, what else can we... I mean, I can pivot topics. How much time do we have? So that was a half hour. <laughs> so uh, I didn't have any segment notes. Um, so I guess I could talk about something random. Um, I heard about... Uh, I think The Last of Us 2 is a yet another bomb. 
Um, oh God. <laughs> I don't really have my ear to the ground, but I, I was aware of the last of us one being really good. I didn't even know it got remade, but apparently it did. And that's amazing. Well, got updated and things yeah. changed. Changed. So like we're talking. So I know that people do game. a graphics engine. Um, they'll do graphics engine updates and stuff like that. Are you saying that there was like additional bug fixes or was there feature improvement? Probably. Okay, so you don't play the game yourself, do you? I played the first one. I played the original one, not the one that got remastered. Not the gold edition or whatever. Yeah. Um, and apparently number two came out, and it's yet another one of these games where for some reason all the critics really, really love it, and they're using the exact same cut-and-paste language, and all of these other... Um, well, if you ever want to be in good standards with Sony, you have to do what they say. And Sony apparently yeah. has histories of market <laughs> so manipulation. The um, the phrase is uh, access media, and it's it's this little game where uh, if you're a reviewer, we don't even have to say a professional reviewer. Uh, attached to an actual publisher uh, on a blog or anything like that just some detached person that person can be a reviewer who's excellent and they are given access to an event or a beta or whatever the heck for the review to and it's part of the the desire is that the developer they think they have a good product. Like, I don't, I, here's hoping, right? And so they're confident and then they give their, um, their best foot forward out to all of these reviewers who look at their stuff. And the notion is that they'll get good reviews because they made a good thing. You know, question mark. Whether or not the market agrees is, uh, is something else. And so if you're a rev reviewer, you get the stuff, re you review it, and you're honest and you report on it. And if something isn't a 10 out of 10, you say so. But if the if the developer of the game says, you know, I, I wanted a 10 out of 10. Like, I don't know. I think you got it out for us. I think whatever, whatever, like you brought up this other stuff or, you know, we didn't want you to discover this yet. We were still working on fixing that. One of these will release it and put out a zero day patch or whatever nonsense. And then what, it, what happens is that particular individual or maybe their platform, their, so their, their house, their blog that might have multiple reviewers, uh, whatever it is, will, have, um, will not be selected. If there's a, a competition of a whole lot of reviewers and some of them are f more favorable and they'll like nudge, nudge, wink, wink with the developer and you'll, as a player, if you ever play a game and it's, and, and there's something wrong when you're playing it and you go to reviewers, professional reviewers, and they're like, this is the, the this is a great commentary on this. Is, the gameplay is just wonderful. And, and they'll gloss over a problem that might be a showstopper for, for you. Like, um, 
Last of Us 2, PewDiePie was streaming it. Was just full on streaming the whole gameplay of the entire damn thing. Like 10 hour days of just streaming it. And uh, uh, it's not it's not exactly a spoiler, but you play the game and there are characters with positions like they there are good guys and bad guys kind of thing. Every game's got this sort of thing. And this is a fairly emotionally driven game. And there's a character that's a bad guy. And you go through the game, play the game. You like it or you don't, whatever the heck. And you get to the end. And then the game's like, would you like to continue playing the game? Now you can continue. Like, this is the next uh, segment of gameplay. Like, you're done now. Here's the rest of the game. And the rest of the game is now you can play as the bad guy. And it's the bad guy that you've learned to really despise for the entirety of like, and, and PewDiePie is like, nah, delete. <laughs> <laughs> this is cause he's, he's, he says, well, he's, the, after playing that much and, and he didn't like the game, he didn't like the game. And he really, really didn't like having to constantly be antagonized by this other bad character. It's, it's a bad guy character. It's not, not a bad character. It's a, character who is the 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 antagonist the bad person so he's, he could not justify to himself uh, actually being in those shoes <laughs> he just didn't want to do it um and i think the other controversy was uh because they were in trailers too i think uh was uh, i'm not i'm not maybe i shouldn't spoil it because maybe it's something because you were talking about I'm wanting not to stream. touching that game. <laughs> I think it would be awesome to play games when they're old and just just go through. I would, because it, it has been my hobby for the last, since since like the mid to late 90s to review stuff. And that's why I've got thousands and thousands of articles <laughs> written. And I've, uh, I've, looked through games before and i would love to go through quote-unquote old games because now if a game is two years old it's old right um which is a real shame i think that's absolutely awful i think there's too much i hate saying that there's too much competition but technically there is too much competition and things get watered down i love the quality of indie games these days um, now that it's possible to have quality, not just not just like good ideas that are that are implemented awkwardly, that you can just reuse the an engine from somebody else, and um, you can get up on uh, a distribution platform, and you can get out there, and you can all the assets you can at least purchase, and et cetera. Indie games can be really well done now, um, but there's so much new water being poured into that cup that now it's it's stuff gets old real quick which is a shame because there's really good stuff but i could imagine streaming games that are x number of years old so they're considered they have exited from the public mind um and they may be triple a games they may be well reviewed they may be good they may be bad and there's drama it's just not interesting anymore 
So it's just gone. And go through and just play that, play that honestly, and and possibly there will be the game of, I would just review it blind, and um, you could go through all of the the critic reviews and stuff like that, and I would just go through and just just be honest about how I'm playing it. And we'll, we'll see how it compares to actual professional reviews. If, if, you know, like playing, um, no man's sky. Did you ever play no man's sky? Nope. I'm not even going to touch it. No. (laughs) So I was, um, I was there from day zero day, negative one. I was on board well before the game was even showing anything. And so I was caught up in this is before the hype train left the station. It was hyped. And the thing is, I'm, I'm a really, really big uh, proponent of um, procedural generation in general. It, it, one of my largest complaints for a lot of video games is this game is great, but it would be nice if this map was randomized somehow, whatever that means. Because I, I come from an era that has things like roguelike games. And you know that term because you, you've used it for me, describing a game. So do you know what the term roguelike, uh, where it came from? Uh, so that's a no. Gone rogue. No. Okay. So um, computers didn't have color, right? <laughs> Early computers didn't have a lot. And... So early computers didn't have color. They didn't have graphics. Um, They had text. And there were text adventure games. And there was one class of text adventure game called Rogue. And there were a lot of variations of it. But this is the the core notion comes from the game Rogue, um, which is a top-down, it is, is, I don't know, you've played tactics strategy games where you have a move, and then the world has a move and then you have a move. And so in a, in an RPG type game, like a JRPG classic is the combat is frozen in time. You make your choice, bad guys make their choice. And maybe your characters get different choices in different orders. And right. You've got spell points that you're spell spending and, and, and you perform actions in this manner. And there's a lot of games that do that. And rogue was like that because the amount of like it just wasn't feasible to have your computer thinking all the time so it was just snapshots in time as you were playing so like you'd move left and then everything was else would have an action and then you'd move left and then and it was just with text it was just character so you were a little at symbol and walls were made out of dashes and the small d was a dog and the big d was a dragon and stuff like that and you you'd actually learn all these upper and lowercase monster letters and uh is a, is actually a, a really good game um my favorite was a variation called ang band a n g b a n d and it was it was a slightly modified. But the thing is, because absolute nerds made this stuff, it was very heavily bored from Lord of the Rings, like really, really deeply. This is before Lord of the Rings was popular. Like now, this is, again, this is older than color, for at least for computers. And so this is older than the movies. This is older than um, this. What would have this, this would have been, uh, the 80s for this game 
this stuff. Anyhow, uh, the great, the replayability of this game uh, was was that the the actions of all the enemies that you might face um, had some randomness to it, where they appeared, what what was there, what was here, and it was a dungeon crawler in the most uh, primordial sense. You would go through the game and not exactly a maze, but there are rooms and there's passages and blah, blah. And you, you're hunting to do, do things, kill stuff, find treasure, whatever the heck. And you'd find a stairwell going down. And you'd go down the stairwell and then a new map uh, would be generated. And it would just be different every single time. And that, that concept was not repeated for basically any other game um until fairly recently where this procedural generation became a, a buzzword and the before between then and now there was just large maps and we had the idea of open world stuff and you'd ha- you might have random events that pop up in different places but the buildings are all the same it's the same city the same layout um so something like um grand theft auto was a uh, a huge place and you might have loading screens between segments of of the world and stuff like that but it was huge and it was fixed and you might have npcs wandering around and that's a little variation you might have different events that happen and how enemies try to fight you or how cars move there's some variation but the world is is the world and that Right. That's, that's like the world we're living in now. It's just like, that's how reality is. However, there is the notion that you can generate a new dungeon at every stairwell and a game like No Man's Sky um, had the hype of promising that in terms of landscape for stuff for this planet and this planet and they'd all be different and blah, blah, blah. And um, the hype train for it was so they they made a lot of promises and goddamn did they fail miserably at everything i mean it was the disappointment was i so it this was the first game where i learned that the the revision the model number of my cpu mattered matter for this game because this game was optimized for a certain generation of processor it wasn't like oh this requires 1.8 gigahertz or better it was this game requires this revision of processor or with this with this feature set or whatever right that seems kind of strange even for well it's the first time i've ever heard of a game doing that ever (laughs) i mean i I knew about things like like okay so back in the day it would be like this this game requires a 386 or this game requires a 386 dx which is a math coprocessor nowadays that stuff is cooked into your processor so it or it'll be like 33 megahertz or or greater or and so i understand the notion of the x or better but we've had 
the same we we as consumers let's let's call hobbyists who understand the underlying hardware a little will we we see maybe specs from third parties <laughs> which may or may not be accurate depending on uh, at least that's uh the reviews for hardware let's say for a cpu have some grounding in reality it's not the opinion of the reviewer so there's not exactly the access media problem there um although there are some weird nuances because it just so happens that a, a particular cpu it has been a little rigged to perform better on that particular test just not necessarily better in general as a processor <laughs> just so they can like squeak by a little bit better um which is kind of dumb. People that understand a little bit of the hardware know about some nuances that happen with processors, but No Man's Sky is the first time I've ever heard of a game that so leveraged something from a specific market of CPUs that other people who happened to not purchase the right generation of CPU would get locked out and they didn't tell anyone this crap or man i maybe they did somewhere or other i i don't know no i, I doubt I it because it was because everything that um i can't remember his name right now the he ev anything that he said was documented well, and after it was released and everything that he said that it was included that wasn't, he got yeah. thrown, or he didn't get thrown under the bus, but he got burned really badly. There's always that one guy on Reddit that does a complete breakdown, that that glorious autist that goes through the history of all of the interviews and all of the gameplay, quote unquote gameplay, it was faked, all the trailers and just does a point by point with like circles and and just this was promised this was delivered that was promised that was delivered and just just <laughs> uh i don't i don't think i kept it but certainly it's out there for no man's sky and it's a long thread with links everywhere with and it it's just i i would i don't know what i would do if i were faced with something as a developer, having been called so thoroughly on on the level of, of bullshit is the level of like the hype train was so off. I don't it, it there was some other imaginary game that the hype train ran off to. And the thing that was released was just not not that not anywhere near that just it was not even a finished game. It was so bad. But me, I got it. And so first off, I yeah, I paid money for it <laughs> to get it. Uh, and then download it, play it. And uh, I can't even execute it because I ran into this like, oh, you, you need this particular revision of a CPU. It's like, okay, well, what the hell? With everybody else, we're like, well, okay. And the devs... Are, are scrambling around. I got access to a beta channel in Steam for other other updates for the game behind the scenes. Um, and I don't, it's not a, a particular achievement. So this is not insider knowledge. A lot of people got this. And 
the the so the devs were releasing like little builds and this is how dumb the decision for having like we'll call it locking to certain technologies in a cpu they're bad decision for the locks because they ended up after a fashion um going and making some change or other changes to alleviate that requirement. So I can, well, actually I've got a new computer now, but at, in, in between there, when the game matured slightly more, um, they did whatever they did and that restriction was gone, which means uh, that was probably hell on earth and they were working 16 hour days, right? Sleeping at the, I've heard some of the stories actually. Yes, yeah, sleeping at the office and working incredibly late. The cops got called because they thought that their office was getting broken into because there were people. The lights on were on at late at night, and and all this is a boxes of pizza. The developers uh, are legendary for for accumulating during these these zero day nightmares. Um, and so the the devs did end up remedying that problem which means that they didn't need to have made that technological decision in the first place so i don't i don't know where their brains were but they made design decisions that were just wrong and maybe it's because they're you can say that they're new but they weren't at that point this was not their first game this was certainly not the 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 lead or any of the other developers is oh, I think they were an indie project. company and then Sony brought them on because they liked their concepts. Mm, Sony. Yeah, Sony was probably the drive behind why uh things got well, sold he got backed by Sony sold? and then he got on a huge oh we got we're backed by these guys. <laughs> Let's say <laughs> I think uh, we can make a lot of improvements. Yeah, well <laughs> I mean, the thing when you're backed by somebody big and those those big guys, you now suddenly you've got all the obligations of the um, the fixed requirements levied by that giant. So the giant will say, "Well, okay, this and this and this got pro promised. These are the timelines. Make it happen. This is the hard release day, and and all these other things." And um, it's that is probably their first time interacting with a big fish i guess you can call sony a whale um and they it it does seem as though they pushed the game out the door and they cut features along the way because they couldn't meet those obligations a true independent indie um indie game indie effort um would have would have floundered and failed because they actually would want to um, implement all the things they promised. Um, usually, what much. they would be, sorry, or as much. Well, um, these guys, if they didn't have Sony breathing down their neck, I'm sure what they would have done is extend their deadline, and you know, cut into profits, uh, use their personal finances, get loans, just to get more development in there before the release to actually implement the features that they promised. But what is nice about that game is after the fact, and it's not like they got around to it after the fact, they actually worked harder than any other game, probably in history 
to to make things right. And it wasn't even a a matter of ethics of we made this promise we're making good. It's they didn't even bring it up again. So they weren't like virtue signaling over oh we're 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 great, we're doing all this to to they just they came out and not no none of their updates cost money. It, they, it was just a new massive surprising amount of improvements and adjustments and then again and then again and then again and it's not a recognizable game compared to what i had originally fiddled with <laughs> I, I fiddled with some really wacky technology that did did stuff as far as like emulating some of the functionality in those other cpu generations in order to let me play like you really don't want to muck about in that kind of crap like serious developer stuff and uh it was not successful <laughs> loading screen crashes my god and they're erratic and the infinite load screen people didn't understand holding down what key was it because i was using controller so it's you hold the x key x x button to like log into the game to actually begin the game and people didn't know that it just had an x so i i press x i just be like i pressed x and it doesn't do anything i press x and it doesn't do anything <laughs> i sit there going this game doesn't work imagine that i'm like oh i'm supposed to press and hold x that's the first like why why <laughs> why would i even want why would it prompt me to do anything just Go through the load screen, stop, then give me the game. <laughs> give me a menu. Don't go through a load screen, make me hold the X key down, and then they launched a second load screen. Oh, God. I think they still do that, too. Anyhow, that's the worst developer decisions in the in the history forever. I think we're out of time, actually. We're, we're at break. Four minutes. Four minutes. Oh, for okay. Am I doing the math wrong? We started a bit late because. Well, yeah, but we still need to honor the hard deadlines. Remember, whether or not we start early. Oh, we would break. okay. Then yeah, we're four minutes over. Yeah. Okay. So why don't we? Now we'll begin late. So we ourselves, the humans, need to have our ten minutes. So we'll, we'll be back in about ten minutes. Yeah. And we can switch topics. Yes? Yes. Okay, so see you in 10. And we're back. Okay, so I, now that I can't remember what I was saying slightly during the break. I don't either. Um, crap. I was I was talking a little bit about uh, Destiny. Because uh, there's still the new the new content out that I can't even recall what the what the pricing is for that, but it's it's like 40 Canadian or something. And it's really hard to justify a cost like, well, any cost for new content that I don't know. It's, it's either you're paying a subscription fee or you're paying for um, expansion packs or you're paying for microtransactions. And there are games that are like dipping into too many of these things. Um, subscriptions are, uh i don't know they're they're no longer in vogue 
Um, I don't know why, because that seems like the right thing to do, because I, I like the idea of budging. But an expansion is actually kind of jump out at me for some reason. They just they pounce and I won't have planned properly, keeping in mind that there's an expansion or I just I don't pay attention and then just new content drops and it costs money. <laughs> I'm like, OK, well, well, I guess I spend some of my budget on that. Whereas a game like, I, there is no game that I can, like, the only other uh, game that really is popular for the subscription is World of Warcraft, which also makes you pay really good money for their expansions. And mind you, their expansions are a hell of a lot more than what Destiny 2 is dropping. Because it's a, it's whole everything, it's whole game in the game and... Bloody blah. I don't know if that justifies like 70 bucks or something from them. I do not recall that either. Um, and this is that that wonderful moment where you could look stuff up and correct me, but that would be work. Um, so I was asking what kind of content existed in the new whatever the heck, the new League of Destiny. What's going on? More stuff. Um it's now an actual expanding storyline. Things are being introduced for this season. Um, they're going seasons of whatever, and this season, something got introduced. You're going to interact with an object somewhere in the, its universe, do the requirements, or do stuff, and do this, get that, essentially. Okay, so there's a grind. Do they? They must have introduced new dungeons. There's, I know there's one that I can't even access because my light level is, is thirty yeah, points too low. <laughs> Everything is all skull, and I can't hurt shit. And it's supposedly not matchmaking. So, like, I zoned in as one single person on this thing that was unbelievably undoable. And so that's a new dungeon. Um, I assume there's a new raid because that tends to be a thing. No, they're doing like once a year raids now. Yeah. So it's not associated with this money, really? <laughs> that, nope. That's how I would think of it. Well, um, I can't recall what was the other thing that I had brought up. You need to be the one with the memory because I ain't got one. Hmm. We would cut to commercial with a meme while I would think of something, or we, we would have notes. I like rules. I like knowing rules. Fine, it lets me push things to the outer edge of those rules. You'll see, like, the creator of the rules should notice how it's being used and then just adjust the rules a little bit. If, if the boundaries are being pushed a little too much, give some warnings, adjust the rules a little, constrain a little bit more, so that the edge pushing is someplace you're comfortable with and then just be done with it. And everybody's happy. <laughs> I actually, I actually know how many F bombs per hour I'm allowed to utter. I, I, I know this stuff. And, and then I'm good. Cause I can, I can be at least that version of me. You know, you can create that version of your art of the movie. When you're writing it, you can write it, keeping in mind that, you know, you're not supposed to treat certain characters in certain ways because reasons, reasons, uh, which you could disagree or not agree with. Like you can, you can be fine with that. 
but if you're if you're a writer well before the screenwriting side of stuff and you're writing and you know that stuff up front even if you don't like the idea if you know that up front you can write around it you can make it you can make a great story that doesn't have to get to those later stages and just and have to be rewritten or like you can start and make something beautiful right from the very beginning and then have it like blossom out into a final product that that was never constrained by those those stupid opinions in the first place that's actually possible if all that stuff was was told up front so let's take a let's take another 10 minute break on that note recording with pause okay i'm still not sure if my sensitivity is going to be good for for my microphone so i think you can hear my chair squeeze but we'll figure that out so as we were saying between break we're not really sure how to manage topics i'm fine with going off on weird rants Um, i'm getting practiced pulling the loop you know the, the thread of thought back on some 10 minutes ago point that i was making so i'm getting good at actually remembering what my point is i was a pretty awful several years where i where i was developing the skill of derailing interestingly and now i can derail and just make a really long interesting point um and so i i'm good at doing that um so that the segments are long enough for me to to go on fairly long rants but topics is a problem and what we had said before is um in reviewing a previous show um it is not just to make clips like preview clips there will be ineloquently put or unresearched or opinions or just you know bullshittery that happens um that when things are unscripted that that happens that that's kind of that's what real life is and what happens when reviewing that is there are these opportunities that arise for tiny bits of research or for corrections and so one of the ways to prompt forward for a future episode is the cool down that i talked about in the first segment being even if it takes a couple days um the cooldown being going through, trolling through our self-produced content for ideas. And so some things might be touched on and just not said very well. So some notes could be made and just be like, oh yeah, I want to bring up. And it, maybe it's a few minutes of talking or maybe it's, oh, I was totally wrong on this and bring it up. Um, and so that could that could easily be the entirety of a segment maybe maybe it's not appropriate to be the first segment because that might be the first impression a lot of people make and the first impression people get is probably shouldn't be corrections from previous idiocy maybe it needs to be a final segment um for the people that are really interested to that fall from show to show that can handle getting into the the third hour i guess that would be um the yeah so uh, the notion of going into and clarifying and riffing off of previous shows um saving that for segment three um i like that idea do you have any do you ever have an opinion 
I usually do, but sometimes I'm just stay quiet right now. I'm just munching on things so it's mute and I don't bother talking. Ah, you can either think or eat noodles. <laughs> just not both. No. <laughs> You'll burn yourself, I suppose. Um, okay, so so that's and that's a notion that I mean I will audit previous stuff. I will I will pull rough clips out, some ideas and I will take notes and I mean that that essentially doubles up the amount of of work that this is. It's it's you know fifteen minutes, half an hour lead in, three hours of talking with some breaks. Because remember, segment one, taking the breaks is important. Uh, and if we were to do this for like eight hours straight, if the breaks would end up still being maybe ten minutes, it would have to be really on point, and then it would be, you know, one hundred percent effort break. 95% effort break, 80% effort break, 70% effort break. And it would go on and on. It would just kind of slowly wane as opposed to just dropping like a rock because you're there solid. If anybody's done. So this, this is taken off of world of Warcraft rating and where a lot of guilds are quote unquote hardcore where they, they, it, it is your individual responsibility to go and do the very significant amount of work to gather and create the prerequisites for your character to even get entry into the opportunity to join the group. And then you join the group and the group sits down and just does it again. It just hammers their head against the wall for hours on end. And it's actually gotten a lot better over the, the year, the decade. Um, in the original days, in what, what is now called, well, what is now literally called classic WoW, what was called for a while vanilla WoW, uh, and things are a little bit weird. The terminology is a little bit weird now, but classic WoW is the original, no expansion, um, original release of the game, which which is out again, which which was remastered with the new graphics engine, with a more or less authentic, um, reproduction of the gameplay and with the original world and, and original quests and all this, all this stuff, like as authentic as possible. Um, and raiding in that experience originally, like back in the day when people didn't really know what they were doing, like in video games in general, that experience was fairly new. And, uh, and that game really was bleeding edge for a lot of stuff. And some people would sit down and they would raid for where they would play a certain player versus player um, mass combat thing. And it would go on for hours. And that that's just, <laughs> you can't live your life like that, man. If you're 14 and you're, that's your entire life, because there's no other video games that are any good at all at the time. And, uh, and, and you're competent, <laughs> you're having, having enough fun going at it, like running out to, to take a pee or there are people, there are actually jokes about it, but it was a thing where you'd have a Gatorade bottle. <laughs> you drink your Gatorade and you'd, you'd still use your Gatorade bottle. You'd save it because you'd be sitting at your computer for six hours straight. <laughs> you'd just not blink. Um, yeah, you, you get older and you don't. You don't need to do that. You don't actually need to do that. In today's day and age, it's 2020, unfortunately. 
And today we have other video games. <laughs> video games have gotten better. And so we have choice and I don't have to sit down at the only video game that's any good in the world and grind it for six hours straight or more because I could, I could go do something else. <laughs> I, I could do anything else. I can just be like, yeah, I can tab. I have a computer that can tab out of that video game and I can go and like surf this weird internet thing that I've heard about. And, uh, but back then uh, it's, you, you can't tab out of your game. Your computer can't handle that crap. You know, you got to work for your, I had to work for my six frames per second. I didn't have the kind of money to buy a computer that could really play World of Warcraft. Certainly not at like, well, back in the day, I was, I was bloody well. I don't know if you knew this, but I, in early WoW days, not, not very early WoW days, but in middle age WoW days, adolescent WoW days, um, I was actually, I refused to use Windows. And I don't regret that time in my life. Uh, it was a huge waste of time. <laughs> But I was I was not emulating, but there was an application compatibility layer that let me play, quote unquote, play World of Warcraft on Linux. And I, that's what I did. And it, it was a lot of work. And I managed to get about six frames a second, literally. <laughs> and I would just crash, try to enter into certain areas because there were too many people. <laughs> My computer couldn't. Like it's a combination of my computer couldn't handle it. Plus the, the tiny little keyhole of a, of a view from Linux to get to something that was like windows to make the game work. That, that keyhole was a little too small. <laughs> I couldn't actually, you know, there was the one time when for some reason I load, I load, I logged in, I guess. And I had crashed or whatever the hell inside that that city and there was nothing there there was nobody there i was in a, a unique instance of it and there was no player and there was no npcs either so there's nothing there uh all the other objects all the other other interactive components were not loaded into my client were not streamed across the network however it worked happened once i was able to like just go explore. <laughs> it was it was awesome because it was full frame rate. Everything looked great. There's just nothing to do, nowhere to go. So I did that for a while. So that was, yeah. Uh, nowadays things are a little different because you've got Linux native capable games, and even um, what is it? What's the 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 big interesting thing is Vulkan. Do you know about that that technology? Nope, because I don't use anything other than Windows. Well, it's not it's not a Windows thing. So it's like um, DirectX 11 is common now, although it's like DirectX 9 is still probably the most common. Um, what do we call it? It's, so just like I was talking about uh, CPU-related stuff in segment two, is there is... Um, engine uh like your video card has certain functionality built in and newer generations of video cards have had their the hardware tweaked to align to allow certain um apis so certain 
develop developer exposed components to access a new more efficient faster um easier way of doing things so my my graphics card can do this many um polygons or this it, it does this stuff or it does this and so there's like this video card is DirectX 9 compatible this one is DirectX 10 DirectX 12 I think is is what's out now and yes the bigger number is the better but the 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 layers between the game you play and the card have to know that the card can do that stuff and have to use it and have to use it if efficiently and effectively so technically speaking, um, the games don't, they're not going to bother with using DirectX 12. They're still going to need to code for DirectX 9 or so because they want to enlarge their audience, their market, to include all those people that have those quote-unquote old cards. Now, Vulcan is I, I Vulcan-capable... Wasn't this um, sort of like OpenGL? Yeah, exactly. And that's the uh, the thing about OpenGL is that's explicitly Linux supported. So it's a very big deal when things rebuild to target OpenGL. OpenGL is much more, more popular than it used to be. So now video games are actually using like often just both uh, DirectX and OpenGL and you can just toggle. Uh, but it, it, it matters. So OpenGL and DirectX is like, they're kind of basically the same. Um, and open like DirectX is just more popular. Now Vulkan is not like that. Vulkan is Vulkan is the very closest thing to your like it would be the closest thing nudged up against the graphics part of Unreal the Unreal Engine. And your video game would be on, on just on the other side of the Unreal Engine. And so technically speaking, the Vulkan uh, graphics processing layer uh, could be swapped out for the, the thing that understands DirectX or the thing that understands OpenGL. Um, and the Vulkan could target the components that understand the, this bit of this video card and that bit of that video card. And the game wouldn't have to, and the, and the, uh, the end, like Unreal wouldn't have to care about the version of uh direct x and wouldn't wouldn't it's, it's abstract a little bit and I'm, i know that i'm getting this a bit wrong so the vulcan engine is is a little bit nicer than this other stuff that's been happening and the vulcan engine is vastly better supported and performing on pure like just raw native linux and so there are games that are now leveraging vulcan explicitly and they'll still maintain not adequate but full great performing on windows and on mac and now on linux and um i appreciate that <laughs> it's too little too late because i just run windows full time and then i have um, I, I run three different other ways of having an operating system within it. So I actually use windows subsystem for Linux just to have it around because it's amusing to have, because it's very, very, it's 
do you know anything about you don't know any about this so probably um, not yeah, so windows subsystem for linux is linux for windows why did microsoft do it backwards they're idiots they also want to put windows first so it is a linux subsystem for windows where you can install a win a linux ish type thing that targets windows and it is it is the um it is a linux in windows in a little console window and i've got a little doohickey that lets me run graphical applications as well and they are the same things that i download with the same package manager for my for my that i wouldn't run on bare metal it's the same linux and in my case uh i uh, i've fiddled with debian just to be safe and there's an officially supported debian and there's one that does ubuntu i think but i mean who cares it's kind of the same thing i mean from a technical perspective i, I they are the same thing but from a user perspective ubuntu is probably easier but it's command line um it, it is command line focused with nothing that is official graphic it's meant for system administrator developer types you know like nerds like me that that need the the windows has shit tools for everything it just sucks at everything and having a lot of system administrators and stuff like that were kind of frustrated and need to have a a virtual machine running on windows in order to put something linux like on it in order to get access to the tools that that adults use to manage servers and to do all this other kind of stuff and you know 20 years too late microsoft realizes that this stuff is important to put this crap in place and it's been updated to be much more authentic but i haven't played with the newer stuff um i will so i've got that running and that's meant for like if i it's i'm not going to make bloody batch files and i'm not going to bother learning this freaking i can't even remember what it's called yeah let's go windows x uh I can't even remember the name of the, the CMD replacement that Windows uses now, like shell, oh, whatever the hell. I'm not going to learn that new scripting language, that environment. Just, I'm not going to bother. Uh, whatever it happens to be, it's probably really great and powerful and stuff. But um, I know pure shell scripting, dash, vanilla shell, bash, ZSH in my case, um, so well that I can do absolute magic to automate, to do, to perform certain tasks. And so I've got that, but I also have two separate virtual machines that run Linuxes. Um, and I can do all three at the same time. And I usually do, like right now I have two of them running and they're not actually doing anything. They're just paused, but um, that lets me, that is my gateway into the Linux that I normally use. And those are, for all they know, they are authentic Linux experiences, so graphical and all this kind of crap. And I can just tab out into that experience. Um, and for video games, I just run it on the main host Windows system that I have. And I otherwise try not to rely on Windows for anything because it just sucks at everything. And I, I, I tack on a bunch of stuff to get some functionality that's a little Linux-like. So it's not insane because not being able to like hold the alt key down and drag windows around, it really frustrates me. So I have to get a tool that lets me do that. And 
like, <laughs> but but it lets me do things like just install this Discord client without going and fiddling with using a web browser. Because if I was just using Linux, I'd only have the web browser, which would be a pain in the ass because hotkeys only work when you're tabbed into the browser and all this other nonsense. Um, so like, I'll use the the. I'll use Edge is probably what I'm going to be using from now on. Do you know about Microsoft Edge? About the history of it? Probably not again. So not not entirely, but it wasn't okay. Edge. Edge, uh, Jesus, <sighs> wasn't Edge just improved uh, IE? Kinda, yeah. That's the best way of thinking about it. So Internet Explorer. Um, so first off, Microsoft are bastards. Let's just get that out of the way. I'm not sure many people will understand what I mean by that, but whatever you think of Microsoft, whatever incarnation, whatever donations, whatever happy, happy fun, they are bastards. They've never changed. They will always be bastards. If you think they are being nice, if you think they are doing good in the world, you do not know them. They are bastards. In the early days of Windows, um, Microsoft Okay, we're bastards. Follow along with me. So Microsoft being bastards in the early days of Windows um, in, had the this internet thing, this new internet thing um, was was up and coming and interesting and but you needed a special program to to dis, to render, to download and render this content and display the images and stuff and fiddle with things and and uh, so a lot of people were asking for this functionality. And what Microsoft did is they shipped Windows, which often came with the computer because Microsoft, uh, and there was a Microsoft tax. So that usually what would happen is the company that would assemble a computer to sell the product would also raise the price and they would use that extra money to pay Microsoft to put Windows on it. So, so you'd have a legal copy of Windows installed and you as the con end consumer would have no choice. You'd be buying a computer. You will have already paid for the license. Windows will already be put on it. Most people wouldn't care, but Linux guys like me, yeah, we were just paying a tax for a thing that we don't want to use, that we don't want to exist in the world because Microsoft are bastards. Now, one of the reasons why Microsoft are bastards, but not the only one at the time, let's say, and you know, in the context of the culture of back in the early Windows days, Microsoft included Internet Explorer with Windows. So it was cooked into the computer, included with a web browser cooked in. And that was considered anti-competitive. I could say that as a blanket statement. Anti-competition is a concept in American law for how businesses operate. And it was considered anti-competitive for them to cook in a web browser because there were other web browsers on the market, most notably uh, uh, Netscape Navigator but also there were some other stuff like Opera and there were other choices that were out there. And um, those other companies couldn't get their foot in the door because people would already have Internet Explorer. And even if they produced a better product, which wasn't hard because you know, Microsoft were being fairly fast and loose with a lot of their extra programming back then, things were, uh, they they were concerned about capturing market more than making a quality product and having that quality speak for itself and that quality is edging out um, competitors, just defeating them on on the fairly on the battlefield. They were using a lot of dirty tricks. 
because Microsoft are bastards. Okay, so I'll just beat that dead horse forever. It's it's never rotting because Microsoft are still bastards. And Edge is a re so Internet Explorer being a piece of shit and being always having been, I mean, from so many angles, it was it was garbage. It was just garbage. Um, at some point, so much legacy, it had, the thing is it had to stay the way it was because it was kind of like a frozen compatibility moment in time. And there were a lot of websites that because Microsoft are bastards, internet Explorer had its nuances and certain websites needed to build for those nuances. And there's a feedback loop where Internet Explorer couldn't grow the hell up, stop being a bunch of bastards and actually be standards compliant because standards wasn't a thing really originally. And then Microsoft is like, well, we'll make Internet Explorer do this other thing if websites built for this other thing. We're not going to wait for the standards to improve, which is kind of a good idea because there was a lot of stuff that, I mean, the, the bodies that were reforming standards were slow as hell. That's why the Internet took a little bit while to take off the way it has because a lot of the decision making on saying yes to certain functionality took took a lot of time to hammer it as as well as developers were maturing in terms of how to understand things and how to develop things and how to define things it, it all took time but internet explorer had its own little warts that it was putting on and then websites started building for those warts because internet explorer was the most popular web browser because microsoft are a bunch of bastards and yet there were other browsers that were coming out that had their own interpretations and their own nuances and they might be slightly different from internet explorer so you ended up with these websites that would be like they would detect what web browser is there which is still a thing now um and then they would they would send different data for different web browsers. And the thing is, a lot of people were still using Internet Explorer for a very long time. And a lot of those websites were were snapshots in time that had necessary compatibility leveraging Internet Explorer very specifically. And they would break on things that were not Internet Explorer. And this was enough. of it's It's not a problem now, but it was enough of a problem at a critical point. Then when Microsoft decided that they needed to, to like separate from the past and create a new web browser from scratch because Internet Explorer was really trash, like it is bad. It's just you have no idea how bad it is. It was a big fat security flaw and it was it was dumb and and so Edge came out. And it was it was rather fascinating because Edge came out and there were already other very mature, good browsers. And I'm thinking, okay, okay, Microsoft, now you're on your back foot because you're coming out into a market that has already utterly obliterated Internet Explorer. Internet Explorer, it was literally a joke at the time. It had been a joke for a very, very long time. So all these new products were there and were had actually started winning even with that dis- the disadvantage of having to target a an operating system that already had a web browser they were better and people would people would laugh that internet explorer is only is the 
program you launch to download Firefox. That, that was the running joke. Uh, now it's Chrome. Um, but Google are a bunch of bastards. So, I mean, they're whatever. <laughs> Mega corporations. Yeah. And Edge, as the lineage goes, it was, it was, it was impressive. I knew it would be a money and effort sink, but Microsoft could do it because although they are a bunch of bastards, they have always been very good about project management and about programming. And when they actually do get their shit together and care and they stop caring too much about money, they can make software that will utterly obliterate anybody except these days, except for Alphabet Incorporated, what you would used to call Google, um, who are just uh, smarter at, at, with their developing. Um, they got they got smarter nerds. Um, but Microsoft can still do a, a damn fine job. And so they brought out Edge. And Edge is, Edge is not very good at all. And, and so they came out late to the game. They brought out Edge. Edge had nothing that people cared about. So they didn't, they didn't bother. They didn't switch. And they didn't bother with it. So it might have been around. And they, like... Oh, I happened to click a link and it popped up Edge instead of Chrome. I'd be like, okay, well, I'll surf this one time for this, but like I'll close it and maybe I'll cut and paste the bookmark into Chrome and then I'll, I'll just use that because that's got all my bookmarks or that's the thing or whatever. So Edge kind of lingered and it, it lingered and Microsoft didn't do anything to make it stand out, to make it better, to anything. Like the tradition with Microsoft because they're a bunch of bastards, is they would understand their underlying operating system so well, with some sneaky tricks too, is they could build software for their own stuff that's better than what other people could build for that stuff because Microsoft had inside knowledge. Again, stuff that they were they were called out on that they broke the law with, um, but they could have done that with Edge and just, hey, for some reason, Edge uses less memory and is faster. Oh yeah, it must be because Microsoft are really great programmers, but it's because they use some dirty tricks on the inside and they and Windows can have some internal engine stuff that Microsoft knows about but doesn't talk about fully for other and so their competition happens to run worse because the competition doesn't know about this certain stuff uh, or doesn't know how to do it as well as Microsoft does. They could have done that maybe um they probably would have been raked across the coals for doing that but they probably could have gotten away with a little of that and never been caught they didn't do that they didn't make a better product they didn't understand their market better they didn't they didn't they didn't they didn't so they had internet explorer around still and then they made edge and now recently very recently in fact like literally days ago uh, microsoft and had announced earlier but they, they made it a thing where they were no longer targeting their, they no, were no longer making their own rendering engine from scratch and they were no longer building their interface from scratch. Well, it's, that's the web browsers, is these two things. It's the, the thing that downloads stuff, that assembles it, and that gives you the pretty picture that you can scroll through and interact with, the, the pictures and text. That's the rendering engine behind it. And then the interface is this thing, is the window you're looking through. So it's the thing that manages your bookmarks. It's the, it's the thing with the scroll bar and the menus and stuff. 
And they made both of those components. And Microsoft had announced that they would throw in the towel. And it's the strangest thing to hear from, from, from anyone, from any major corporation, because usually what you just do is you'd eat it until the end of time, is you would have developers that would make the specialized product that nobody would use, just like Internet Explorer. They were trying to phase out Internet Explorer, and I think they, they actually they either have or they will shortly, and just be like, nah, we're no longer compatible, because they're no longer compatible with Windows 3.1 software, um, which I think is stupid and a shame, but I'm going to virtualize a machine to get that environment back when I get around to using that old software. And so what they announced and what was shocking is they would dump their rendering engine for the one being used by Chrome. And they would dump their interface for a modified version of the one being used by Chrome. <laughs> they, they gave up. They gave up. They dropped everything. They threw in the towel. They went, eh. No websites were targeting Edge specifically because that's not really a thing anymore. Um, and so they just, it's, it's done. I have a new desktop icon for a new Edge and I can't remember what the old one looks like. So I, and it's just, it's Chrome to me. So I'm just going to go use Chrome instead. Um, but I might, um, I mean, Google can go suck it, but I'd still be using their product if I use Edge. Um, so I might have it just to like play pretend to be a Windows user. Um, otherwise, I use some I use Linux rooted stuff for a web browser. So that's that's like a twenty minute rant on Microsoft being a bunch of bastards, Edge being a complete failure, Internet Explorer sucking ass, um, and Chrome. So I mean, what do we have? We've got like ten minutes. Did you want? We have no idea what to talk about. I told you. I could yeah, we'll pull stop. something out of my We'll ass. call it out for now. So we just well, I mean, technically on the clock, we've got another 12 minutes. So if there's something else you want to bring up really quick. No, not really. I mean, not, not today. You're always tired. I'm not tired. I'm just out of it right now. Out of, out of it. The I noodles now, all the carbs in the noodles are making you sure. know, hurt, affecting your brain. A little insulin resistance happening there and the carbs are making you tired and working on your type 2 diabetes. Yes. How's you eat healthier than me, so that's never going to be a thing. Okay, so uh, we're going to stop and then in a couple days, so after we're done... Stopping the recording. Uh, you're, you're tired now, so let's say tomorrow. 